Hello, welcome to The Demon Show. This is a show where we talk about Canadian culture and politics from a biblical Christian worldview. My name is Forrest Demon. I am an electrician living in Creston, British Columbia, and I'm here today with my co-host. Hi there, everybody. My name is Reese. I am the pastor of a teeny tiny church in Caslow, British Columbia. Great. Um, and we are here today with a special guest. Um, we are here with Gabriel Wrench, whose uh, little thing, we have these little name things that come up, and it says Waterboy, and so I've, he's, uh, he is the Waterboy of Cross-Politic, which I'm sure means something, um, though I've been listening to Cross-Politic for quite some time and haven't quite figured that out yet. Uh, Gabe is a deacon in his church, and uh, all of his children are baptized, <laughs> and not because they have made a profession of faith and been baptized, <laughs> but rather they were baptized as tiny little babies. That's, that's Hi, right. Gabe. Well, thank, thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. So wh what is CrossPolitik, and, and why are you the water boy? Yeah, uh, so CrossPolitik is just a, a TV show and podcast that uh, cross politic, Jesus over politics. So we, our desire is to proclaim the lordship of Jesus specifically into politics. That has been a realm where the church has refused to engage in and refused to touch with the gospel over, you know, 40, 50, 60, 100 years. Um, and so we uh, believed that that was uh, an issue that really needed to change. And, and so we started cross politic to specifically uh, bring the gospel, bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ into politics. There's no um, subject, there's no realm, there's no issue where um, the gospel should not touch. And so that's, uh, and as Christians have kind of abandoned that area, well, we, we're hoping to um, bring Reformation Revival back into politics because we want our politicians saved just as much as we want our neighbors saved. We want our laws to reflect good, righteous laws um, just as much as we want our homes to reflect good, righteous laws. So. That is, that is what we're doing across politics. The reason why I'm nicknamed Waterboy on the show is because uh, it's not really, this, this, this is not really a very good story, but basically, you know, Pastor Toby is on, on our show, and then we have Chocolate Knox, uh, you know, John Knox, give him the black church or he dies, and then it was just Gabe. So I would introduce everybody, Pastor Toby, Chalk Knox, and Gabe, and it'd fall flat. And so... <laughs> My nickname, I, I serve as a deacon at my church, so, you know, table servers, deacons are table servers. And so, um, well, water boy is kind of a guy who give, brings water around and bring, refreshes everybody. So yeah. that's how right. water boy happened. Fair not enough. complicated and not very excited. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Servants are held in high honor, so, you know, I think you're doing just fine. I think you're doing, I think the deacons, Great. deacons get a bad rap. They're, they're treated like junior elders. And uh, that ain't that ain't how it is. You know, deacons are are supposed to are, are an an actual office that you're not supposed to just graduate out of, whenever right. you become old enough to be an elder. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's not uh, exactly right. In in depending on your church's uh, tradition of a view of ecclesiology and so forth, some uh, some deacons uh, uh, can be would or some deacon bodies or boards would actually do the work of the elders. Right, uh, yep. and then the elders would do the work of the deacons, <laughs> kind yep. of flip around, and, totally. and so it's kind of kind of goofy. And you're, you're exactly right. You know, the office of deacon was created because the elders needed oversight uh, with the provisions in their church, and so uh, we exist uh, to serve kind of at the authority of the elders, and at the same time, you're right. It's a, it's a, it's a, its own office, and it's not like I'm trying to be a deacon so I can graduate to be an elder. That's a faulty right. view <laughs> yeah. of of what it means to be a deacon and also what it means to be an elder. I mean, um, and everything. So, uh, you know, I well, think... Well, and... Yeah, and I think it creates this sort of false hierarchy where it's like yeah. the elders are super special and the deacons are more special than you, but not quite as special right. as the elders. Right. You know, As opposed to... Yeah, right. And as opposed to just looking at, hey, this is your gift, this is your calling, and this is where the church believes you should serve. And that's, yeah. you know... It, totally. It's, it's, it's it. Yeah. You, you're, so you are a deacon in your church, and your church is Christ Church. Is that correct? That's correct. And it is in 
Moscow, but not the one in Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I live in Moscow, Idaho. Now, the tendency is for everyone to want to pronounce Moscow, Moscow, because of Russia. But the locals um, bristle at that, so we're very particular on how you pronounce Moscow. But as you will get into more of my story here in a little bit, um, there's not much of a difference right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and and I, I think for anybody that's listening, they can probably tell that you aren't originally from Moscow because your accent does not sound like an Idahoan accent. Um, and us Canadians, you know, we sound a little bit more like Idahoans than, well, especially us in, like, we're only about six hours north of you. And so we sound a little bit more like those northern Idahoans, but you, uh, you're from much farther south than that, right? Yeah. So I was, I was born in, in what, what, um, the world knows is the, the promised land of Texas <laughs> and everything. <laughs> and, uh, grew up in, grew up in Texas. And then I, I moved, I actually lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a little bit. Um, uh, uh Oregon for a year, California for a couple of years, uh, Colorado for about a year, year and a half. And then I, I moved up here to finish my school at University of Idaho, where my brother was attending New St. Andrews College, which is a Christian liberal arts college in our town. Uh, and so my brother basically talked me into finishing my school here at, at University of Idaho and everything uh, back in uh, 2002. So slow journey out of the promised land to bring the gospel to the, to the Northwest. <laughs> to that barbaric savage that. land. That's right. <laughs> That's right. So the, the reason that we asked you to come on today is you have kind of gone through an interesting uh, sequence of events um, in this new COVID-dominated world that we live in. And in the fall, I believe it was, you were arrested. Is that right? Yeah, that's, that's correct. So uh, on September 23rd, I was arrested. Um, I was singing psalms and worshiping. On the, in the parking lot of our city hall with a bunch of people from our, my church and my community, um, about 150, 200. And uh, the cops arrested me for not social distancing uh, while not wearing a mask. And, uh, and then I wouldn't give them my driver's license. That's why they ultimately, I was a, a obstructing, uh, I was, I was a, you know, obstruction was, was the reason why I was ultimately the reason why I was initially arrested is because I wouldn't handle my license, but then I was taken into jail and they just cited me for breaking the resolution. But one of the, uh, uh, let me back up actually um, a ways, you know, when the, when the whole COVID thing started, I remember I was in Georgia when the, when the coronavirus was starting to be discussed on the news in January. And uh, by the time we got to March, you know, a lot of the, the frenzy had started to kind of simmer and so our mayor on March 20th voted to shut down our city and shut down downtown businesses uh, while we had zero cases of the coronavirus in our town. So no definition of emergency in Moscow and our mayor uh, voted and city council voted to shut down downtown. So in April, um, I led a kind of a pro-business open up business rally. You know, there's no emergency. You guys are shutting us down for no reason. This is silly. So we had this um, uh, protest at City Hall um, to open businesses back up. And at the same time, our mayor and our city council are keeping their taxpayer-funded paychecks while my buddy can't operate his restaurant and provide for his family and provide for his employees. So just the, just the fair sake or kind of hypocrisy from our leadership has been just atrocious through all this. And then um, things started to open back up in, in May. And then on june 30th because the numbers are still growing because it's you know the coronavirus is new to our to our country uh in june 30th they voted in a resolution that required you to mask where you could not social distance so wear a mask where you couldn't social distance and and keep in mind social distancing there's no scientific basis for it there's no scientific studies backing it there's no randomized control studies um looking into this uh, social distancing actually came from a high school project out of New Mexico back in the Bush administration. And then that language and that concept was co-opted into um, our organizations as, as some sort of reasonable scientific uh, measure. I don't know how it got there uh, right. and, and all that. 
And it's not even like it's a uh, consistent thing, right? You look a, around the world, you know, Canada and the United States are saying six feet or two meters, and in the UK they're saying one meter, and other places it's, you know, so it's just so arbitrary, the, the this idea that there's a specific distance that you can be away from somewhere that, or from someone else that is safe, right? Yep, that's right. Well, if you think about it, basically the government is pushing on us Levitical laws. So yeah. the next time, some next time some leftist makes fun of the scriptures for being legalistic, be like, no, nah, that that that's the dumbest argument I've ever heard coming from a, a leftist you know political system that has no problem telling me how far I can stand apart or not. Yeah. <laughs> you know your your Levitical yeah. laws. I'll take God's Levitical laws over your your BS Levitical laws any day. Yeah, totally. So oh, on June 30th, they voted in this masking resolution. Uh, and, of course, Black Lives Matter protests come through town, and they have no problem with Black Lives Matter protests. Uh, and then on uh, we, and so my church, the way we protest is we like to kind of embody the First Amendment. We like to sing psalms, gather publicly, um, and use that, that singing of the psalms to actually be our protest and to be how we redress our, our politicians. Uh, and to be how we exercise our free speech. So we kind of take the whole First Amendment and kind of cram it in one protest. <laughs> so we did that a couple times in downtown uh, Moscow. And then um, on August 3rd, the city council voted to extend the resolution. And then on September 21st, and then we do another psalm sing here and there. And then on September 21st, our city council listened to about three hours of testimony that were all against extending the mask mandate um, I think maybe one person in three hours stood up against it or stood up in favor of the mask mandate at the city council meeting. They still decided against the will of the people to extend the mask mandate. And so on September 23rd, my pastors decided, hey, let's, let's do another psalm sing. And I had met with our sheriff. I'd met with our chief of police through all this. I had a good relationship with them. I was asking them questions. How are they thinking about all this? Um, on September 23rd, we all gather about 5 o'clock in the afternoon to sing in front of City Hall, uh, basically kind of after everyone's off work and that kind of thing. Uh, and when we get there, we get to the City Hall parking lot, and they had spray-painted circles every six feet apart. So they're basically, you know, uh, the, our mayor uh, ordered city staff to to use city resources and taxpayer dollars to go spray spray paint circles every six feet apart so that they could kind of objectively see that we aren't social distancing. When we get there, the cops tell my pastor, hey, if no one's social distancing or not wearing masks, we, could, we will cite and possibly arrest. And so my pastor turns around and says, hey guys, FYI, this is what they told me. And no one really moved. <laughs> it was kind of a glorious moment. Everyone kind of, kind of just kind of, all right, are we doing this? Are we going to start singing psalms right now? Not, you know, not be six feet apart. It's crazy, <laughs> and our uh, and so we started singing. And then as soon as we started singing, uh, the cops approached my mom first, and be, she was just kind of closest to the cops, I guess, as they walked up. And they asked my mom, "Are you with this gentleman?" And my mom said, "This is my son." So family members don't have to social distance. So my uh, the cop came and and looked at me, and I put my arm around my friend Tyler, and I said but this is my, my friend Tyler. It's obviously signifying I'm not social distancing and not wearing a mask at the same time. Wanted to make that pretty clear to the cop. I wanted to make it easy for him, easy decision for him. So he proceeded to ask for my license. And uh, when, uh, you know, I just did not recognize his question as a legitimate question. I was practicing my First Amendment rights. The officer swore on, on, on the Bible to uphold uh, the Constitution of the United States. Uh, and so he took an oath to protect me and and he didn't take an oath to enforce petty unconstitutional resolutions he took an oath to the united states constitution not to the mayor's resolution so i then when the officer asked for my license i said no officer you don't have to do this he asked for my license again and i said officer you took an oath uh to uphold the constitution uh i am in the right here and then he said again please give me your license i said officer you, you you know better than this. You, you, you know you don't even want to do this yourself. And he said, you're right, I don't. He said, and he said, but give me your license. I'm asking you one last time. And I said, uh, officer, you don't have to do this. And so he proceeds to arrest me. And as he's, to, in order to arrest me, he has to take the hymn book out of my hands. You know, and, and 
and then so he can handcuff me behind the back. So he takes the handbook out of, out of my hands and handcuffs me as everyone's singing Psalm 20 in the background. You know, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the Lord our God. Uh, um, that's the psalm that's going on in the background as I'm getting arrested. They walk me over to the cop car. And one of the funny things about this whole moment is I get over to the cop car and they don't know which cop car it is. They don't know who's got the keys to this cop car. So I'm standing there for like five minutes while they're, they're starting to sing Amazing Grace now. <laughs> this is just a funny moment. My brother comes up and just starts ripping into the cops for cuffing me. My pastor, Pastor Toby, who's on my show, he starts rebuking the pastor. So I was... It was so comforting in that moment. As I'm getting arrested, I know I'm going to jail, but my pastor's there rebuking the officers for their, um, for their you know, lack of principal concern and their lack of defending the Constitution on our behalf as citizens. And uh, so they take me to jail. I get to jail, and uh, I'm, in the, I'm in the cell, and the, the arresting officer brings me the citation, puts it through the hole in the, hole in the jail, and shows me that my citation. He said, hey, look, I'm only citing you for breaking the resolution. I'm not citing you for the obstruction. In other words, not handing over my license. I'm not citing you for the obstruction. And I respond, I'm in, I'm in the jail cell. I respond to him and I said, oh, Massos, most merciful, thank you. And that just like, he audibly kind of gasped in frustration. Like he genuinely thought he was being kind and merciful. And I'm like, you don't see yourself at all in this story correctly, do you? And as I'm in jail, I'm in jail for about two hours. My, my, uh, there's a married couple that also got arrested along with me. The husband ends up in my cell, and the wife ends up in the other cell on the other side. You know, they got the female, male and female cells. And I told the officers, I'm, I'm like, she, she identifies as a man right now. You can just bring her over here and hang, she can <laughs> hang out, hang out with us. And uh, they didn't take me seriously. It was really weird. Nah. And as they're booking me and releasing me from, from the jail. I'm sitting down getting fingerprinted pictures and all that, whatever they got to do to, to get all the information they need. I, um, I, I'm leaving. I get up across the hallway, and there's two deputies in the office across my hallway, not social distancing and not wearing a mask. And I, I, I tell one of the officers, like, hey, we got to arrest them right now. Arrest them. They aren't social distancing. They aren't wearing a mask. Yeah. I'm getting out of jail for that same problem right now. Arrest them right now. Be consistent. I should have had my wits about me, and I should have taken a selfie and just gone, ding, smile for the camera. But I, I, I didn't. That picture would have gone viral. It would have been fantastic um, and everything. So they, they basically kind of pushed me out of the jail cell. Please leave. Go and everything. So that's kind of the con, uh, a little bit of the context of what happened. I want, to, I want to touch on a couple points here. You guys just interrupt me. I'll keep talking all day. Uh, but um, the resolution, even, even in the resolution itself, so my First Amendment rights are fun foundational. Okay, a city council just can't overrule my First Amendment rights. That's silly. That's not how the Constitution works. They know that, even though they're lying about it. Um, so my First Amendment rights are foundational. But even in their own health emergency orders and resolution, it said this health emergency order applies to everything except for when you're exercising your First Amendment rights. So even in their own order, it said I was in the right. And what's crazy is, is that my case got dismissed because of this, because I was in the right. My case got dismissed because I was practicing my First Amendment rights, and they were wrong, and the judge dismissed it. But what's crazy is the city council and the mayor and the city supervisor and the city attorney all wrote this resolution together. They wrote it. And then they voted on it on June 30th. And then they extended it on August 3rd. And then they extended it again on September 21st when I was arrested on September 23rd. So either they did not... They were incompetent. They were um, ignorant of the of what they actually wrote in the resolution. Or whatever the case may be, um, it was a a major failure of of competence at some level that they arrested me despite their own resolution allowing me to do what I just did. Wow. And and I've not I've not received so my case got dismissed on June, January 9th. It got dismissed on a Saturday. So it's like hey let's. Let's go as quiet as possible. Um, so they dismiss it on a Saturday. And I got, I've received no call from the mayor, no call from the city council. The prosecuting attorney is basically playing um, propaganda press for, on behalf of the city and all this. I mean, it's just, a, it's just a joke on how the city council has been handling all this. Uh, 
I met with our chief of police last week. I met with our chief of police last week, uh, and it was a it was a fine meeting. Um, uh, but the communication, the city is just like so trying to save face and all this. They won't even talk to me. It's it's ridiculous. In fact, one of the city council members even said to stop messaging her. And and she's she claims didn't she claims the name of Christ. Crazy. So that's that's where we're at. Wow. So they they held you for like less than a day, like for only a couple hours, basically. Yeah, they held me for two hours. So the one good thing in all this is my sheriff, when he found out I was in jail for breaking the resolution, he called the judge and he called the prosecutor and said, get this guy out. This is not a criminal. I don't want this guy in our jail cell and everything. So um, uh, super, I appreciate that. And uh, he was correct. Uh, I was wrongfully arrested. Yeah. And uh, and so he w- he had my back in all this, and that was and very that was very good. So there, but like the the elected officials in your city basically have been radio silence, like not willing to talk about it at all, kind of a thing, yeah. like just pretending it didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Basically, the city prosecutor even stated in the newspapers that the officers were still in the right arresting me. Wow. So just last week, a week and a half ago. She stayed in the newspapers that the officers were still in the right, and the judge disagreed with her. The judge dismissed my case, and she's sitting there still playing propaganda on behalf of the city and everything. I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous. We got we got a bunch of. I mean, you, you had the same things happening in Canada. Canada. Yeah. We got a bunch of feckless leaders and a bunch of feckless politicians, but we can't we cannot um, excuse the church and all this. The church is full of feckless leaders. It's no wonder. We have that in our politicians. It's because the pastors have that uh, here in our country, in the United States here. We, we got politicians that are just willing to, you know, give up the lordship of Jesus Christ in favor of the lordship of Governor Newsom in California. Right. Um, it, you know, so we're, I mean, the politicians are a result of the lack of leadership in the church. And so in some sense, I mean, you know, there's some frustration there. Uh, but in some sense, we, we need to take responsibility for where the source of the problem's at and and not just, you know, castigate the politicians. Um, we also got to look at the church. Yeah, that's totally true. Like the the church. Oh, man. And it, like speaking as a pastor, it is so hard <laughs> when everybody else is being like, just stop, just shut up, just be quiet, just stop, just wait. To, to really stand up but there comes a point where the pastor has to be like you know what come what may I am just going to do what what's right mm-hmm. and and I think that a lot more people are going to start coming to that I, I think people are going to start finding courage pastors are going to start finding courage um, and and start being like you know what I, I don't care anymore <laughs> <laughs> be mad yeah. at me. Well, there's and, and <laughs> there's a number of things to yeah. There's a number of things to consider there as a shepherd and as elder board and also as a people. So, um, you know, Jesus says, well, you, you need to you need to count the cost before you build the building, right? Mm-hmm. And and so uh, we need to count our cost and know, okay, you know, are my as a pastor are my people with me? Have I yeah. discipled my people well? To are they with me? Well, if if they aren't with me. Then, then maybe I need to work a little more on discipling my people before I put them in in this this trial. You yeah. know, I had a guy, one of our one one listener of the show, reached out and said, um, "Hey, um, I, I have this job where my boss wants me to wear a mask, and um, I'm really against it. Uh, you know, um, but my wife thinks I should wear a mask so I don't cause any problems at the job and lose my job and that kind of thing." And and I told him, I was like, "Dude, put the mask on." Mm-hmm. And, and, and the reason was because you, you and your wife aren't on the same page. I was like, don't, don't start anything with your boss when you and your wife aren't on the same page. Wear the mask. That's not your problem. Yeah. Your problem is you and your wife aren't, aren't on the same page. And that's, that's how, now, that's how as, as leaders we need to be thinking through how are we discipling our, our sheep through all this and preparing them for this kind of thing. Because um, you don't want to be the guy all, out in the middle of the street trying to stand against the tidal wave coming against you and you turn around and no one's behind you. Yeah, exactly. Right. That, yeah. That you're, yeah. you're an ineffective leader in that, True. in that moment. Yep. And, and so that's, um, 
Uh, you know, and that goes for the, the sheriff. The sheriff, he doesn't, he shouldn't be standing out in the middle of the street if his deputies aren't behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the Moscow Police Department, the, you know, all that stuff. So uh, we need boldness, but um, part of the, what comes with that boldness is first we need discipleship so that boldness is strategic and so that boldness hits the target well. Imagine if all the churches in Moscow, Idaho, um, went and sang psalms in front of City Hall with me on Wednesday, uh, the twenty oh, third. Yeah. Right, so different. You can't yeah. arrest. You can't. You can't do anything about it. Imagine if all the churches opened up in Ontario, where Pastor Jacob Realm's at. Yeah, and it, you know, it's like he's he's doing right. I'm I'm 100 behind him, and and he and the churches in Canada do not have his back. It's totally true, and and, and that is that is uh, 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 just shows. How cowardly and how theological, theologically stunted we are as a church here in the U.S. and in, and in Canada and what's going on. If all the churches would open up in Ontario, uh, the, the police wouldn't know what to do with themselves. The politicians wouldn't know what to do with themselves. You yeah. can enforce regulations on 20 people. You can't enforce regulations on a million people. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Not not unless you gr- bring in the bring in the military and make a big scene of it. But nobody is going to. Well, be it's called civil war. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask here. Uh, the we have been uh, we have been told as Christians. Now, I uh, I have been. Oh man. I listen to a lot of things, and I've been part of a church, and I'm, I've moved recently, and so I'm in a new community where none of the churches in this community are open on Sunday because the government has told us to be closed. You are, you, you and your church made a decision to take a stand and say, this is wrong. You cannot tell us that we must put a specific piece of clothing on our faces because it's because it's what you say that we should do, right? You can't you can't arbitrarily impose something like this. But all uh, Christians all over the place are saying, well, but Paul said in Romans 13 that we're to submit to the governing authorities and Peter said that we're supposed to submit to those who are in authority over us and and so you and your church have made a decision to stand up and say, you know, Romans 13 doesn't apply in this situation. We, as Americans and as Christians, have the right to stand up and sing psalms outside, not social distanced, not wearing a mask. And and, and Christians are saying, you know, the Christians that I'm hearing talk that are close to me are saying, well, but why can't you just do what the government says? Like, this isn't, this isn't like prohibited in scripture to, you know, wear a mask. So why don't you just wear a mask? Uh, there's layers to that question. Um, I'll start yeah. here. First, um, uh, Romans 13. Yeah, Paul wrote Romans 13. And, and it, the text clearly shows that no authority that God has given here on earth is absolute. No authority is absolute. And in addition to that, the same guy who wrote that epistle was the same guy who recognized no authority was absolute and would run from the cops. <laughs> and, and, you know. Um, and so we, we have to be thinking like Christians and not like servants and all this. And we got a bunch of slaves in the church who don't know how to think like Christians. Um, and uh, there's, practically speaking, there's a couple things going on here. Um, one is the government can't tell me to wear a mask. There's no, there's no, I can't find it in the Constitution. I can't find it in our city code. There's, there's no, the government has no authority to tell me what to wear on my face. And if we believe that is the case, then the government can tell you to wear a condom under a health emergency crisis, too many kids in this world. The government can tell you to get a vaccine. The government can tell you to wear, uh, you know, uh, a, a yellow sweatshirt, whatever. And, and there's no authority there for the government to do that. In addition to this, and this is where Christians need to do their research and figure it out, uh, is that um, the we're being lied to about the extent and nature of the coronavirus. Um, I believe the coronavirus absolutely gets you sick. I believe it's problematic. I, I, I believe it, it's, it's contributed to, to, death, to, the, to deaths here in the United States. I have no problem stating all that. But all the statistics show, and it's not rocket science, here in Idaho, 
Over 80% of those who've died from the coronavirus are seven years and older. Right. Yep. Over 80%. Secondly, the CDC, this is CDC statistics, use it against them, state that 94% of those who died from the coronavirus have on average 2.9 comorbidities. Yeah. 2.9. So this virus attacks older and unhealthy people. In addition to this, all the testing that's going on out there has absolutely dramatically inflated everything. Yep. The testing is bogus at a certain level. Uh, Fauci, Fauci said four months ago, I got this video clip. Um, <laughs> I still have it. I've saved it on my hard drive because you, I wouldn't be surprised if YouTube deleted it. But on 60, well, this wasn't on 60 Minutes. This is an interview he had about four months ago where he's talking about the PCR testing, which is the common testing for the coronavirus. And the PCR testing is a threshold testing. That means uh, it, you, you have certain cycles that you um, uh, go up to as you kind of zoom in to uh, view and find coronavirus par particles. So it's a cycle testing. And, um, uh, and Fauci said that any cycle threshold over 35 is junk. Cycle threshold over 35. Call your laboratories. Call your laboratories. I, I communicated with two laboratories here in Idaho, and their cycle thresholds going up to 36 and, the, and, and 40. One laboratory is 36, the other laboratory is 40. It's absolute wow. junk. One doctor said that any testing that cycle thresholds over 30, um, uh, that 80 to 90% of those tests are junk. Crazy. So, so it's, it's absolutely, so it's potentially, if there's cycle thresholding in your state over or in your province or whatever, over 30 CTs, then potentially 80 to 90% of those tests are junk up to 35, and then 100% after that are junk, according to Fauci. Wow. And so um, no wonder they're finding, you know, no wonder people have gotten a car wreck and died from the coronavirus. Right. Right, because they <laughs> test them, they test them, and they're like, oh, this guy had the coronavirus. Or, um, you know, the asymptomatic spread thing. Yeah. Uh, let's say someone goes to a wedding, they have the coronavirus, they leave, they come home, they, they get massively sick from it, whatever. Um, and then so they go and contact trace all those people at that wedding. And they test them all with the bogus junk testing that they have. And they say, hey, look, this is a super spreader event. Everybody had the coronavirus, even though no one's feeling symptomatic from it, yeah. except for this one person. That's how they're getting all this. And so we're absolutely being lied to. The WHO, the CDC, Dr. Fauci, uh, and all this, back in March and April, all the way even through April, they were saying masks don't work. Masks do not work for the general population. In fact, on our show, uh, our midweek fix that we, we recorded uh, on Wednesday, uh, depending on when the show airs, Wednesday the 27th, uh, we went through this. I went through this. The WHO, I had several videos from the WHO, um, uh, doctors from WHO talking about how masking don't work for the general public. In fact, it could even increase the, 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 the chances of uh, getting viral transmission because it, it, it could capture and trap the coronavirus, the viral particles, between your mouth and the mask. Yeah. And it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And so um, for us to just pull out Romans 13 and say, Romans 13, Romans 13, Romans 13, it's like, no, no, no. We need to sort through the, the context of what's going on in, right now in front of us it, so we know how to better apply Romans 13. We're yeah. being lied to. When you go out in a public and you wear a mask uh, walking next to your neighbor, you're lying. That mask yeah. is a lie. Every, every WHO, CDC, everybody, before this pandemic got crazy, everyone was saying masks don't work for the general public, and even some doctors were saying it could be detrimental to your health. So, so I, I, I don't want to... I want to just make one clarifying point. I don't want to burden anybody's conscience. Saw this. I know you might be putting on a mask and you aren't lying, um, and that's not your intent at all. And that's that's totally acceptable. You know, you got to fly on airplanes, and people, and you got to wear a mask to fly on an airplane. All that stuff. I don't want to overburden someone's conscience and all this. But generally speaking, when we don't want to believe lies, and at the same time we don't want to communicate lies, and so we need to be thinking biblically about this whole pandemic, the masking, the the, uh, the testing, and then how does Romans 13 actually apply in all this? Well, it, it, yeah, like it really amuses me in 
the our current situation where all of these sort of liberal Christians are pulling out Romans 13 and being like submit means submit and then but like just a couple months ago you asked them about Ephesians 5 and oh no submit doesn't mean submit so you know where we wives don't have to submit to their husbands but we always have to submit to the government and it's like well no like how about there are times when a woman should not submit to her husband because she's, you know, being abused or whatever, should get out of there, or he's telling her to sin. And how about with Romans 13, if your government is abusing you or is wanting you to sin, Romans 13 doesn't apply. So how about how about we have a balanced approach to this where we, like you say, we think biblically, we understand that... Like you said, authority is not completely absolute in all circumstances. And a person or a government can't just be like, we have authority, so you have to do everything that we tell you. There comes a point where you have to think correct. You have to think biblically. You have to think correctly and say, well, let's let's find the balance here. You know, we obey the government when we can. We submit to the government in areas that they have jurisdiction in and but when they are being coercive when they're being abusive it's it's not only our right it's our responsibility to say no i'm not gonna do the coercive things that you tell me to do i am going to you know i i am going to go and visit my mom you can't tell me not to visit my mom if i can sit in a restaurant with three people outside my household i can have my mom at my house to visit. Okay, and, like yeah, yeah. And what what you're kind of what you're seeing is you're seeing a pride and arrogance of a ruling class, yeah, of a political class that is kind of backed into this impossible corner. Like they're never going to admit that they are wrong about shutting everything down. Right. Right. They're never going to admit. You know, it's like it's like you're almost kind of like walking into a Mexican standoff. And everyone's holding their guns up, and and you're like, um, someone's gonna shoot first. Someone's gonna shoot me. Someone, everyone, put your guns down. You know, you're like, who's gonna shoot first? And that's that's kind of what our political class is like right now. You know, who's gonna say that the pandemic's over first? Yeah. Not this, you know, not this political leader. Not this, you know. It's like, uh, and then and then you also, you know, liberals interpreting the Bible is a funny notion to me. It's like, oh, they yeah. they have an interpretive grid. I mean, they they know, you know, you yeah. you put a hundred liberals in a room, you're going to get a hundred different interpretations. You, you know, there's no the liberals have no consistency in yeah. all this. Um, uh, you know, uh, we need to submit, but Black Lives Matter doesn't need to submit. Right. You know, the the yeah, it, the, the the one of the challenging things in all this is. It used to kind of work to point out liberal hypocrisy, and it doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> there's there's no standard that liberals can, you know they're they're happy to lie about Trump, President Trump for four years. Yeah, they and they're don't happy. Care. And, and and then they get into office here. You know, Joe Biden gets in office, and everyone's like, oh, let, let, unity, finally unity. The guy's a liar. He's been in, yeah. he's been in public office since he's 29 years old and has been demonstratively caught on video after video lying through his teeth. Yeah, and and so I don't I don't want uh, you know um, if ever a liberal you know tries to um, give me some sort of scriptural claim. Uh, well, I mean he, they just deserve a, a horse laugh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that, that's yeah. that's the, all that the only legitimate response at this point. Because they don't want a dialogue. They don't really want a true dialogue. In fact, in my town, they arrested me for it. Right. Right. In, in your town, you'll get arrested for it. Pastor Jacob Raom is getting arrested for it. They don't really want a true dialogue. They want you to submit. They want you to listen. And they want you to shut up. Rules for thee and not for me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It's uh, like you say, it just it's so amusing, all of these people trying to lecture us about decency and, and stuff like that it's just like give me a break and the uh i think it's the new york times or politico um some new news organization shared a picture of pete Buttigieg and his homosexual lover um in in the uh i don't know subway or getting on some sort of transportation or walking around in the city but they were both standing there and both had two masks on each they doubled up their masks. 
And and I was like, that is the quintessential Pharisee. Some right, dude huh? who will have sex with another dude and yet thinks he needs to wear two masks in public. Talk about swallowing a camel and straining a net. Yeah, seriously. Literally. Yeah. Wow. Pretty crazy. We, uh, we are coming to the end of our time here, and we... Uh, I want to thank you for coming on and talking to us about this stuff. I feel like I've got a hundred more questions for you, but um, in the end, you know, what do you think, what, what is a Christian who is in, say, a town like mine, where nobody is meeting, um, there's, you know, there's no official church meetings, um, that there's no pastors or elders in the community that are saying no we are going to have church meetings right it's it everybody says nope the zoom is good and we should we should just continue to do this virtually we can record a youtube video we can do facebook live you know and there will be no meetings what is what does a christian do to to fight against that when those who are supposed to be the leaders the pastors the elders aren't doing it oh man that's a that's a tough question um sometimes the guy the first guy over the wall doesn't die you know sometimes he charges the wall and he actually uh maybe actually had an impact on the battle (laughs) um most of the times the guy who first charges over the wall is going to die and he didn't impact he didn't have any impact on the battle so you 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 want if you're in a town where no one has been exercising this kind of these kind of muscles that we're talking about, um, let me let me illustrate this first. So, the same courage that I had to muster up t- um, to sing psalms and get arrested was the same courage that Rosa Parks had um, had to muster up to sit in the front of the bus. That same same muscle. Okay. The crazy thing is is that the courage she had to muster up was exponentially far greater than the courage I had to muscle up, m- muster mm-hmm. up. Yeah. <laughs> like she had to exhibit far more courage than my courage, right? I'm no Rosa Parks at all. Um, and, and so uh, for her, the counting the cost was far more significant than the cost I had to experience getting arrested and all that stuff in my town. She, she you know, lose her job, ostracized. Uh, never, you know, whatever, the, the, the ramifications of what she was doing was far more significant than the ramifications of what I was doing. But what has happened is, is we as Christians, we've even forgotten or neglected that courage or building or working on that courage and, and that boldness. And that boldness, first and foremost, needs to come from the gospel, needs to come from our uh, identity in Christ, knowing that... Uh, our walk with him is far greater than any uh, gold or silver or benefits we get here on earth. To know that all our contentment is met in Christ. To know that um, no matter what happens on this earth, I have, I have full joy and confidence in that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and there's nothing any man can do to me. Right? So that that we need to have the theological context for where that courage comes from. And then we need to start figuring out how to practice and exercise that courage. But what you've seen is, is the church has been, uh, what's the good? What's a good word for this? The church has abdicated that courage time and time again. Don't talk about homosexuality in the church. Don't talk about this sin in the church. Don't talk about hey, your elder doesn't have faithful children. Why is he an elder? Right, First Timothy three. Why is he an elder? We don't have the courage to hold our elder accountable. We don't have the courage to tell the wife that hey. Um, you know, the big taboo is you can't tell a wife that she's in sin. You don't, you don't have the courage to tell a husband that he has an anger problem. You know, you go down the list and, and it's, we don't even have the courage that it takes to go to others in our community to encourage them to walk in the Lord. We don't even have the courage to exercise our own church discipline. Um, you know, women were preaching in the pulpit, but this is a quote from my pastor, women were preaching in the pulpit far uh, far before women were flying in F-15 fighters, F-14 fighters here in the United States. Um, uh, 
the church was kicking kids out of worship far long before women were aborting their children uh, since Roe v. Wade in 1973. We, we, we abort our kids out of worship service. We tell them to go to the you know, secondary church service, or we tell them to go to the nursery. We tell them whatever. And we're kicking our kids out of worship long before it became, uh, abortion became a thing. Uh, pastors, pastors sleeping with their secretaries um, and still figuring out, weaseling their way in to still remain pastor. I got, I got pastor stories for you. I've lived in six different states. I got elder stories for you of elders who should have stepped down long before and are still um, uh, remain as pastors and elders. And so uh, no wonder the church doesn't have any courage. There's a direct connection between confessing sin and having courage. And the church, the church is, is uh, we're, we're um, full of shame. We're full of sin. We're full of, we're full of all of this. And so it's much, and so the tendency to want to cover up your face with a mask is, uh, there's a connection between that tendency of wanting to cover up your face with a mask and the shame you experience because you have not been discipled well and you've not been called on the carpet with your sin. When I went to, the, I was traveling to Dallas, Fort Worth last weekend and uh, everyone, I kept walking past all these people in the airport and I couldn't help but thinking like, these people need the forgiveness of Jesus in their lives. All these people wearing masks need forgiveness. And in fact, me and my mom got called in, in cuss words in the airport as we're walking past them because we weren't wearing a mask and they were. It's like all, all the sin and shame that's in the church and in our world. You can't murder 60 million babies since 1973 and not have sin and shame in your nation. Mm-hmm. And so, all the, and so the, we're, our country is ripe for this moment right for us just bending over and accepting whatever leader te- what any leader tells us even though the the nature of the coronavirus and the extent of the data is a sham so you know for those listening the encouragement is go before god and confess your sins and be washed in the blood of jesus for forgiveness and do not walk in the the shame of your sin any longer because it is covered by the blood of Christ. Amen. That's that that's the encouragement from that, right? Amen. Um, and and we we have so much of that in Canada. I mean, you know, you I hear Americans talking about the the trajectory that America is on with sin and and how and how we're you know you guys are allowing this and allowing that and it's getting worse and. And it just, uh, I, I cringe because it's like, wow, Canada is so much worse than that. Um, you know, you guys in the states, um, Americans have been killing babies for a long time, and there are places where they, you know, restrict it. And it's like, you know, they talked about in New York how I don't know it was last year or something where they were talking about, you know, allowing babies to be murdered all the way up to the point of birth almost or even after birth and it's like those kind of restrictions don't exist in Canada and haven't for a long time like we've been killing babies in Canada up to nine months up to birth for a a lot longer than Americans have been we've been allowing and encouraging men to marry men and women to marry women for a lot longer than Americans have and and so you know for us in Canada it's a harsh word and and it's a harsh word to our churches to say you need to stand up and you need to do the hard things and you need to stand up like um you know it was is the name jacob is that right in in ontario who's uh you know we need to stand up like him we need to stand up like you know the the reopen ontario churches um that the that uh dr boot is doing and 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 that he's working with and those are the kinds of things that we need to stand up for and I think as Christians, we need to be willing to, you know, if dads, if if there's no churches in your area that are having worship, then you need to be leading your children and your wife in worship, mm-hmm. um, and you need to be, and, and and you need to find other men who want to see Christ lifted up and and are not willing to forego the meeting together, and you need to start meeting in homes and you need to start making this happen because we cannot live without the 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 meeting of the church we cannot live without the breaking of bread and fellowship 
um, without taking of the Lord's Supper, without baptism, without all of those things, as Christians, we need it. Um, it is it is important for us. And uh, and so, Gabe, thank you for coming on the show today. Thanks for joining us and telling us all about um, what you've gone through and why, and 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 for giving us some conviction. We really appreciate that. Um, how can people find you? Yeah, they can go to you know crosspolitic.com uh, or fightlaughfeast.com. Those are kind of our websites. Of course, you can follow me on social media on Twitter and Gab um, at GM Wrench uh, on those handles. We also we have a conference, uh, uh, a rally in South Dakota, Love God, Sing Psalms, Defy Tyrants on April 29th through May 1st. We'd love to have as many people there as we can. This is a, a very important issue. Uh, the church needs a theology of what it means to uh, sing psalms, a theology of what it means to love God in these hard times, and a theology yeah. of what it means to defy um, uh, um, prideful, uh, tyrannical leadership. Amen. No, I don't. But not, we can't really hear you, so I'm going to do the outro because you're being, you're coming in and out. So thank you for listening to The Demon Show. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook or, well, I was going to say or on Parlor, but Parlor is is gone the way of the dodo. So uh, rest in peace, Parlor. Hopefully we'll see you again someday. Um, but we're on Facebook, uh, and please leave us a rating and review uh, on whatever platform you listen to us on. And uh, if you want to send us an email, thedemonshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. So, uh, thank you. Thanks a lot, and uh, have a great day. I'll catch you on the flip.